0: Good evening, America. Sports Reports has ordered. is back. Mike Wilson and Raf Rutley, we're going to talk to you tonight. We're going to talk about what is Florida State doing? Usually when you try to rob somebody, you wear a mask and run up on them. But Florida State just announced to the world that they're going to rob the ACC. You know, we're going to talk about some NFL free agency, play a little game, you know, free agency and GM. Then we're going to talk about Dame Lillard, the 71 points the other night. How about that? Was it impressive? Was it not impressive? Raph wants to know why these old heads won't give the new schools some props. Then we're going to talk about baseball. Baseball, it's that time. Spring training is here. We got some new rules. We're going to talk about baseball and get into that. And then we're going to get something off our chest as we always do. You know, we'll get you later with our Instagrams, Twitters, and all that. And it will be in your descriptions. But first and foremost, Raf, what's going on?
1: Hey man, I'm just excited. Like I said, we're we're back on a normal schedule. Um, like I said, I was I was calling out the wrong episode number last week, but we're back on track. So our normal <laughs> Tuesday, Friday. Like I said, we we have all this stuff. I listen to all the pundits. I watch the games. I watch them on the iPad. I watch them on the phone. Me and you talk about it, and I was like, man, every single time I hear somebody talk about sports, I'm just like. Do they care about sports or are they just happy to be on tv so it's going to be a lot of that i know it's going to come off as me just being you know antagonistic to some of these pundits but when when you sit here you you sit with us and we we chop it up it's like okay this is this is an easy easy subject to have a vast conversation about a very in-depth conversation about because you have so much information and it it just feels like they just fold the same information in and just spew it out from six a. m. <laughs> to seven p. m. and then the game start and then it's some some nonsense after the game like it's it just it's boiling me over. the I mean, yeah. So I'm just like, come on, come do better. Yes. So. Yes, I love it. Yeah. So yeah. Look, look, right. It, so. Oh, your boys, your boys down in, uh, down in Tallahassee. Down in
0: Tallahassee, yeah. So as you can see, you know, representing the set, you know, I'm saying get that dude up in there, see, repping the set. But, um, you know, I don't know what Florida State doing. I don't know because, you know, I was looking at this and, you know, of course, I'm not necessarily against conference realignment. I just want it to make sense. You know, I want the rivalries to stay intact and everything. But Florida State said that they are bringing in 15 percent of the ACC's TV revenue, and they're only making 7% off of that. So, you know, like, obviously with that being said, if you owe me my money, you're going to have to pay me my money. But Florida State signed a deal that said that they ain't getting that money. So, Raph, you tell me, what is on the Seminoles' mind? Why would you sign a
1: 20-year deal? Unless you bought it Benilla's. (laughs) <laughs> or the deferred money, but if every year you're generating more money, the conversation around college football, it just it's been money. It's been money for so long. It's probably been a bigger conversation about money than anything else. At least money's up there too. Talent, uh, maybe coaches, highlighting coaches, robberies, money, all of that's pretty much interchangeable. But the money's mixed in every time. That's probably the biggest I remember watching the bowl games, probably probably like ten or twelve years ago, and they ESPN was putting out like the perk packages that the players were getting for playing in certain bowls. I mean, like they weren't even big bowl games, It'd be like the Michelin, you know, Goodyear Tire Bowl, whatever the case may be. <laughs> but they'd have like, you know, each player would get like five hundred dollar gift card to Best Buy. They would get you know, swag for the, the school, they get all the gear and, and the sweatsuits and the sweatshirts and the hoodies, and they would get like an iPad or an iPhone, things like that. So I'm like, they're getting all these perk packages and then you'd find out that the school, I remember for those BCS bowl games were getting like $17 million, 16, $20 million. So the conversation around college football and money has always been there. So when they sign their deal, like why would you sign a 20-year deal? Because their deal right now goes to 2036. I'm not sure when everyone else signed their deals, but if you're gonna sign a deal in a like an ever-growing tech, like you know, there's more channels. The Ocho, remember the remember that movie Dodgeball, and they mm-hmm. were like also was on ESPN the Ocho, ESPN eight the Ocho. They actually
2: <laughs> like there's
1: an actual ESPN eight that's out there. they didn't even, might even call it the Ocho. You wouldn't think that back in like 2003 or four whenever that movie came out. But because sports is 24/7, I mean, literally, me, you, and I talk about it for five hours a week. On top of the fact you got full-time jobs, kids, retirement, everything else, and we still find time for five hours to talk about this. So sports is everywhere. So for them to make that kind of deal and then be mad about it six or seven years later, when like the, when the, you know, like I said, the the price of the brick went up, it's like cool, but you still you still working at this price. So the only leverage they really have is taking their ball and going to the SEC or taking their ball and just going independent, whatever the case may be. So if that's what they want to do, more power to them because the networks are going to benefit. So if you're in a school and you're driving the money up, you got to benefit. But once again, you got to use your leverage properly. So if you use your leverage properly or get other schools involved, say, hey, we'll take this package of four teams. We'll take Clemson, Florida State, Virginia Tech, and UVA, and we're going to go to the Big Ten. If that's your narrative, that's your leverage. So long as Florida State use their leverage properly, the networks are going to get you get you the money. They might not want to give you one point one billion, but we've already seen that the Big Ten got one point one billion. So it's not like it's out of the wrong possibility for that number to be bestowed upon you know, some college football teams. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of realignment, but if you're going to do it, do it right.
0: Well, you know, it's crazy because you know Mike Alford, the FSU AD, was talking to some boosters, some administration, and I think he was just laying out some stuff, you know. And I don't know if it was supposed to get out or not, but obviously it did. Until yeah. the next, di- yeah, until the next day when Graham uh, Neff, you know, over at Clemson, came out and kind of started echoing that same thing. And then I said, oh, man, Florida State and Clemson are about to hold this conference hostage. So then I started to think about it, you know, because basketball, you know, I I love basketball, but obviously basketball does not drive this bus, because if it did, we might be hearing a little bit from Duke, you know, we might be hearing a little bit from Syracuse, so on and so forth. But, you know, now with this going on, um, from rumors that I have read throughout the years, I've heard Clemson and Florida State to the SEC. I've heard the Big Ten might want Miami or North Carolina, you know. And I know as much as I hate North Carolina and Duke, they better not touch that rivalry. But you know, but as we look at this, um, it would cost Florida State 120 million dollars to pay. That would be the exit fee to leave the ACC. But there's one problem, Raph. There's one problem with that deal, that 20-year deal that you're talking about that they signed. They gave up their TV rights. So you know, so if they pay that hundred twenty million dollars and end up in another conference, that other conference doesn't even benefit from their home game revenue. So when we all put the money together, and this is just me putting it, trying to put something together here, I think we're looking closer to four hundred and possibly even five hundred million that they're leaving on the table because if they can't get their TV rights or whatever the case may be, the ACC is going to have that for, for another thirteen years. You know, they're not just le- they're yeah. not just paying hundred twenty million.
1: That's the whole key that he is to, to leave. like, Because if you're just going to pay the 120 and leave and not get the money on the back end, you're better off just staying and trying to renegotiate because if the money, like I said, money talks, bullshit walks, is what they say. So if Florida State can really sit down, renegotiate, and get the money right, maybe start winning more games, maybe compete for a national championship between Clemson, because Clemson was was the creme of the creme for a while through the Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson era, a little bit the the alphabet kid, I can't even say his name, Ongalele. Ui
0: Angalele.
1: Ungalele. So, you know, you still have, you got your guy down there, the coach making $11.5 million. So if you can get into the national championship run every year, now, especially with expanding to 12, I think you have an opportunity if you can hover around, if you can stay between 7 and 10 for consecutive years, give yourself a shot, maybe pull off an upset here or there, then you can renegotiate in a couple of years. Right now, I don't know if they have enough leverage other than we're leaving, but if you're going to tell me you're leaving, you're going to give me $120 million dollars. And then I still have the rights to make money off of you. Like the main thing that you're arguing gives you leverage, you're just going to give me $120 million and leave that leverage behind. Because the argument is we generate 15% of viewership. we we'll only get paid seven. Well, if you're going to pay me and still generate the viewership, then I, I'm, I'm in no hurry to, to alter it. But if you stay and we can build and we can work from a network to school network, to conference standpoint, Then I think that that's what you have. have. But I'm not sure if they have the leverage to to force their way out.
0: They don't. And the ACC has a couple of problems. It doesn't just have a Florida State Clemson problem. It has a Notre Dame problem because Notre Dame plays five ACC games a year. But they're not a member of the conference in football. You know, they play basketball and their other sports are in the ACC, but not football. Because if Notre Dame football came to the ACC, that's the game changer. You know, Notre Dame's the big money. They're the Yankees of this. And that's why the Big Ten is holding out right now, because they're hoping that Notre Dame comes along one day. So that's problem number one. Problem number two And this is eerily similar to what the Big East went through because Notre Dame was an affiliate member with them. But also the Big East, as we know and still today, is all about basketball. Your Providences, Seton Hall, St. John, so on and so forth. The ACC at one point, North Carolina, Duke, Tobacco Road. The ACC was built upon basketball. Florida State's only been a member for 31 years now. And then I heard something today that just kind of blew my mind because even as a Florida State fan that I knew that Florida State came into the ACC pretty dominant. I didn't realize that out of the 30 last 33 ACC football championships, Florida State or Clemson has at least shared 24 of them. You know, so not only is there a viewership issue, there's a hey, these teams are also running the conference. And then good old my little buddy Miami, you know, the All-Canes conference, and they haven't won the ACC yet. But I imagine that Miami is a brand like that. And then when you start talking about this revenue sharing, you start reading the writing on the wall because I looked at the Pac-12, and there was a point where USC was getting all the revenue. You know, they there was one year where they received 22 million and other schools were getting 14 million. You know, but that still wasn't good enough because when the Pac-12 came, they made it more equal. You know, so UCLA and UCLA were uh, getting two million more than everybody else. But the moment the Big Ten called, USC got up out of there. Texas and Oklahoma, they said, hey, Big 12, you're nothing without us. We're everything. And then what happened? The Big 12 acquiesced, and they said, hey, you know what, Texas and Oklahoma, you're right. But we don't want you to leave us, so we're willing to do this. And then what did Texas and Oklahoma do? They walked right on that door. So obviously without me having any legal expertise, you know, I'm wondering if Florida State and Clemson u n c Miami, I wonder if they have some kind of thought that maybe that contract that uh grant of rights isn't as ironclad as it seems I
1: mean, I imagine that it isn't like any any top notch finance lawyer, whoever generated the deal. I'm pretty sure a good team of lawyers can figure a way out of the deal, and ultimately, can you pay can you pay enough to satisfy the fact that this paragraph says one thing? And you're willing to waive it for X amount of dollars. It's a matter of like who's gonna sit and mm-hmm. have the conversation, what's the number, and what else can you realign? Because I know the SEC is viewed as like this ironclad and you wanna to be top notch, but once they expand to 12 teams in the playoffs, I can see I can see some of these SEC teams getting pulled away and joining the ACC if the ACC can get their contract and money right. Because if you think about it, South Carolina is getting beat every year in the SEC. Florida has been, you know, they've always had talent, but they have up and down years. Maybe you can slide Kentucky and Vanderbilt. And now you have Kentucky, Vanderbilt, UVA, Virginia Tech, Clemson, South Carolina, Florida, Florida State, Miami, (laughs) You have enough names of these these blue blood kind of schools, these blue chips kind of schools, and mm-hmm. they negotiate the deal. Because all this conference realignment, some of it makes sense, some of it doesn't. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of it because I do like the rivalry games. And it's obvious that it's not a competitive reason that people are moving. People aren't moving because they want better competition. People are just moving because they just want more of the cut of the money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I can understand that piece, but in the same sense, it's like, well, don't be afraid to make the next bowl move. And like, listen, we're going to pluck off a couple of these, these SEC schools. Georgia, I'm pretty sure they don't mind beating Alabama. But if they have a couple of years where it's back to how it was a few years ago, where it's close and then Alabama pulls it out and they end up winning by 10 or 13 points, or they're losing in the SEC championship game and it's ruining their opportunity, I can see them shifting and saying, okay, we'll join this new ACC, and that way 12 teams, we can be one, two, three, or four, and we don't have to go through Alabama. And Alabama, cool, we'll keep dominating from here to Texas, and then Georgia, you guys can have that section, and they can meet as an ACC champ and an SEC champ. <coughs> In the national championship game because people are still gonna to want to put on TV because of the marquee names. But I can see that that working out because if I'm Mississippi State, it's like, man, do I really want to keep playing these guys every single year? Is there is there somewhere can I can Ole Miss, can the Big Ten pull Ole Miss out of the SEC if the money's the same because right now the SEC's got a hundred got eight hundred and eleven million dollars from ESPN and the ABC. The Big Ten got 1.1 billion. So can I make that call down the lane, Kiffin and the boys say, hey, man, y'all want to join the Big Ten.
0: Well, you know, to quote the uh, great Ted DiBiase. Everybody's got a price, you know, and so what I know is, you know, South Carolina has had a bad, tumultuous history with the ACC that culminated with them leaving the ACC at one point. Kentucky, um, I know you know, is the basketball central of the universe. So, you know, like, I think they like being the big dog in the little pond. So I think a merger is definitely in the, you know, not necessarily in the works, but I think a merger could be coming because if you end up with a 2014 conference, as people have uh, talked about, you can't have divisions, you know, like you're probably going to have some kind of quads or, you know, some kind of pods or whatever. So from that standpoint, yeah, you could have your South Carolina and Kentucky matched up with your North Carolina. NC State or whatever the case
1: two and a half billion dollar deal for twenty four teams, right? Like I imagine I mean, it would
0: be more than that, I would think.
1: You have to it have to be like two and a half three billion to three billion, because right now twelve teams are one one point one. So if you go to twenty four, you yeah, you gotta who's someone's gotta sell out two billion dollars.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah.
0: Well, well, the Big Ten, you know, is at uh, one or um, they're at seven billion right now for their new TV deal that's going to be starting, you know, soon. So, I mean, yeah, like this is going to get astronomical if we go down that route. But something else that I've also heard was a potential merger between the ACC and the Pac-12, some of the Pac-12 schools. Like there was this talk of this Atlantic Pacific Conference just from the standpoint. What? Ridiculous. This is a thing.
1: It just, yeah, it just, it just, just to think that the way the country and football were divided up ten years ago. To think that Rutgers is in the Big Ten, USC is in the Big Ten, and then you're gonna have UVA and Colorado in the same conference and call it the Atlantic Pac-12 merger. The,
0: the Atlantic Pacific. conference
1: (laughs) conference like come on like the trans
0: well well, the way the way that i heard it laid out the way that i heard it laid out was that there would be a mostly you know obviously acc plan and acc and pac-12 plan pac-12 and then they would just have a championship game between their champions you know but the big 12 is also out there and as i mentioned before florida state and clemson had some flirtations with the big 12 at one point so if the big 12 you know is trying to make a move that could be something that they look at they just brought ucf in You know, they still have West Virginia and Cincinnati that are kind of on that island, you know, amongst themselves. And everybody else is west of the Mississippi. So, you know, um, or west of the Ohio. So, you know, from there, you know, there's a lot of options here. But you mentioned independence. I don't think that's an option. You know, I don't think, you know, this, this isn't 1980 anymore. So, like, there's only a few teams that could pull that off. Like, obviously, Notre Dame is doing it. Maybe Texas could do it. You know, uh, maybe USC could do it, you know, but I think that it gets real slim after that. You know, like I'm not even sure, you know, Alabama could do it if, you know, the rest of the SEC schools just bonded and said we're not going to play them if they were to go independent. So there's not a lot of schools that would probably survive, you know, that route. You know, so I think we're just where we are. I think that within the next four years, I think we're going to get some kind of announcement about Florida State and Clemson, but I don't think that they're going to be the leaders per se. I think behind closed doors, there's going to be a North Carolina or a Miami that's talking to somebody else that we're not necessarily hearing about, you know, in the same way that we're hearing about Florida State-Clemson. Because if enough teams get together, I'm sure they can toss that grant of rights in the trash. Yeah, I just
2: like
1: to say, it just seems like a lot of money, a lot of movement. Um, Florida State might, be in the in a bad spot because their deal just runs so long Mm -hmm. there's no real incentive for the tv contracts to be renegotiated because they have they probably have ironclad buyout clauses that are just you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to negotiate a new deal they probably have some stipulation where they get to match the deal if it's, you know, whatever, all, mm-hmm. all kinds of just verbiage is kind of written into these contracts. And I think they just, they just put, they just put a bad move by, by signing a 20 year deal. I think it, they probably would have been better off signing maybe a 10 year deal with a five year mm-hmm. option. Um,
0: and I don't know. Well, if that's, that's what, mean, why I said that, but I think it, but be well, that's why I said four years. Well, that's why I said four years, because the Big Ten just did their seven billion dollar deal that goes through 2031. You know, the SEC deal runs out at the end of this year, you know, so you get into that 2027, 2028 time frame and the Big Ten seems to be a forward thinking conference. So I'm going to be looking forward to the next deal, you know, by that time. And then we'll see what the SEC does, but somebody's talking to somebody, by, because, because, because like Mike Alford isn't, I don't think, at least, it's just gonna go out there talking this kind of stuff without having something in his back pocket, or at least thinking oh, yeah. that he has something in his back pocket. Somebody,
1: somebody's in his DM saying, hey man, I'm with you. If you, if you get the train going, we'll put some coal in it to keep it moving, because the Pac-12 they have a 12 year deal, three billion dollar contract with Fox and ESPN, each school gets 21 million. That ends next summer. That's probably right. The- Movement so that their deal ends summer 2024. So
0: they're gonna hey, but see, but see, that's where that merger comes in. That's where that merger comes pay, in. Pay $3 billion for
1: Utah, Colorado, Oregon State, Oregon, without USC and UCLA. But do you, you gotta do something because you can't lose it entirely. Because mm. everyone, it looks like we, we talked about this before of all the conferences, the Pac 12 is unfortunately the position where they're going to be of the power five, they're going to be the ones left out and it's going to be a power four grid system where it's going to be. The Big Ten's going to have the northwest. And then you're going to have the northeast, southeast and then the southwest it's going to like the big 12 is it's, it's going to just be consumed because the Pac-12 without USC UCLA I don't know if I'm an executive I'm like what what am I paying for what what team left moves the needle is Dion enough Utah's been to the Rose Bowl 2 years in a row are they enough are they big enough like I know their stadiums that the stadium only sits like 45,000 people it's a big deal in Utah, but it's not. Are they big enough for that region? Do you bring in Boise State? Is Boise State big enough to, to replace the USC-UCLA? Do you pump up Oregon more? Like, what? who do you who do you move? Well, I think Florida State. I mean, Oregon, Oregon and Washington was the are the answers. 12, they'd have more leverage because they would be the big dogs left after the two prominent schools leave. Like, for instance, if, if – Duke and North Carolina left ACC right now. Florida State can still stand on the fact that they bring in a viewership for football. Like, they can own that piece. Whereas the Pac-12 is like, none of you drive the needle. So we're probably going to save some money on this next deal, and we're going to go one, one $1.5 I know you guys we had used to the three, but none of you drive the needle enough to where we have to give right. up that. Them-
0: well, the ACC has, you know, an abnormal number of private schools as well. You know, they have six total, which includes you Boston colleges and Wake forces that don't move any needles. But where the ACC has an advantage, to your point, over the Pac-12 is, I like to use this phrase, so just bear with me, the Pac-12 is landlocked. You know, because as you mentioned, like San Diego State is there, but what's your other options? Wyoming, New Mexico, nobody wants that. But in the ACC, you could go. I'm not saying that this is a great thing, and I'm not saying that they should want to do this, but you could go grab a Memphis that comes with some FedEx money. You know, you can grab, you can go grab USF down in Tampa that comes with a big city in Florida, whatever the case may be. So you won't necessarily replace a Florida State or Clemson, but you, but you have options.
1: Games at noon on Saturday because. We love football. I don't know if people are watching football games at 9 a.m., West Coast football games. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the West Coast fans are filling that stadium at 9 a.m. So it's not fair to the fans that live out there. So I don't know how you can put it on TV. Maybe you get the the middle-of-the-day slots, but 4 p.m. on the West is 7 p.m. out here. That's the Alabama, Oregon, neutral site game that's played in Dallas. Like, we're talking about that for two hours before that comes on at 8 o'clock. So the San Diego State versus Colorado game isn't going to get ESPN's prime spot or or ABC's prime spot over the Alabama-Florida game. Like, Alabama Mm -hmm. played like, 3 or 4 o'clock. Like, you would think that's not a good time, but, like, they basically have that slot almost every week on CBS. Mm Mm-hmm like you said, the pan, Pac-12 being landlocked, it gives Florida State some leverage because, like, whereas teams in, in the Pac-12 don't have that, but Florida State, can, they can go Big Ten, they can go Big 12, well, they can go SEC, they can say ACC because just the way that the entire region is already kind of divided up. See, see Florida State and Clemson leaving
0: is pretty much a death blow. You know, because, I mean, from that standpoint, you got Miami, you know, as far as, like, big brand, big market. You know, if we consider Virginia Tech to be a, you know, market. But if Florida State and Clemson are out of there, Carolina's out of there probably, you know, because they're that next big brand. Even though it's because of their basketball, they're probably but that next big brand. But you still
1: have an opportunity because of the region you're in. To me, mm-hmm. I know this is, this is far-fetched, but I never would have thought USC would left the – the PAC conference, whatever 10 or 12 or 8, whatever it was when they were in there, you can maybe negotiate and get a Florida out of there. You can get Florida out of the SEC. Maybe you get not you with that them. money. You you once again you would have to the pendulum would swing back to now the networks having to be a little bit more desperate and throw money at these teams that replace them. Like if Florida State and Clemson leave you're gonna have to do something to pull. So maybe you, you try to pull you lose two teams from South Carolina and Florida and you pull two other ones. Because if well, you could I, make I think make if all that, this happens, if you can make the South what? Carolina and Florida move, if you lose Florida State and Clemson, then you're right, you're right back where you were, and you can you you're you're not your viewership's fighting, it was gonna be the same. You're not losing out, whereas USC leaving the Pac 12, you're trying to replace USC and UCLA with San Diego State, you're way behind the
0: eight ball. I mean, hey, if, if Florida State and Clemson leave, if Florida State and Clemson leave, then Duke, Wake Forest, Boston College, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Virginia, and Virginia Tech better become juggernauts in basketball because football's over. You know what I mean? If that happens. And, and that's the thing because, like, because, like,
1: I think you'd be able to make that move. I think you'd be able to pull Florida and South Carolina because that would be that would be your top priority. As soon as Florida State and Clemson left, I'm throwing money at Florida and South Carolina.
0: See, that's what I'm saying. See, five, see, you see, you Carolina. the two five right now. You the two five right now because exactly. because like I said, like right now because I mean going off of what Mike Alfred said, going off of Mike what Mike Alfred told um, the boosters and the admin. Yeah. Right now, today, they're making thirty million dollars less. Than the SEC and the Big Ten. So how do you make that up once they leave? How do you make that up to entice one of those schools to come to the ACC? You gotta you gotta
1: go 40 million over. You gotta you gotta get it to 40 million. You because you you're 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 more at risk of losing two to three more teams.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You let Florida State and Clemson walk without immediately replacing them. It's like letting your free agent leave and because you didn't want to pay him and then not using that money to get someone <laughs> that caliber. Just be like, you know what, we're going to stand pat. Like, no, you might have to swallow your pride and throw $42 million per team at the new team or just renegotiate with your current team because if they leave, that's your viewership. So you, – At some point, you're going to have to be like, you know what, what, what's the number we need Mm -hmm. to make everybody as happy as possible? Because like, what's what's the phrase I was talking about earlier, like the, uh, you know, you made a good deal when everybody,
0: everybody walks away feeling that they, yeah.
1: Yeah. So if you're getting, if you feel like you got over, that you didn't make a good deal. And it's on. It's gonna. It's gonna hurt you in the end. Like if you think Florida State giving you money and then you getting their name for a few years is gonna work out, well, what happens next summer when the Pac-12 is like, hey, our our deal is up. Hey, Duke, North Carolina, you want to be part of the the Super Pac-12? All
0: right. Well, all right. Well, we're going to end this one with a joke. You know, with the light of this news, with Florida State and Clemson potentially leaving the ACC, the ACC better get SMU on the phone before the Pac. 12 finishes that deal <laughs> this pack
1: 12 being having their deal in 2024 man that's 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 huge they they have a little bit more desperation they can't just fact yeah. they got 13 more years in
0: their deal so desperation. Yeah. You know, so that's, so when it so when it, forward, so when it comes to money when it comes to money do you think people will be surprised that i wouldn't let daniel jones walk
1: Daniel Jones. Like I said, I I, I believe I brought this up last week. He left his old agency, went to a new one, and this new agent leaked the whole. His old agency leaked the 45 million dollars a year to try to make him look bad. I don't think it makes him look bad because that's the number. Like that is the number
2: that Herbert, Burrow, Lamar, Deshaun.
1: That's the number most of these guys are gonna be floating around anyway. I mean, we know that's the franchise tag number. So quarterbacks that get franchise tag this year, if they do it the dimes or Lamar Jackson, it's 45 million. So that means if you don't do the deal this year, if you make the deal next year, more likely it's gonna be four or five years. It's gonna be at least that 45 million, if not closer to 48. I mean, can you imagine $50 I don't know what the cap situation is. Like I said, me and you talk about the cap all the time and we talk about how much cap room a team has and dead money cap. I'm like, listen, if I get an internship with the Eagles and they can teach me about this cap and I can understand it, because what I read about it, it still doesn't make any sense. Like, for instance, I was watching (laughs) something earlier and they're talking about the players that are being released. So they're announcing that these guys are going to get released on March 15th. And by announcing that they're gonna get released on March fifteenth, which is the beginning of the NFO year, then the the money can go to this year's cap and not the next year's cap. And the guy was like, it's a real complicated system. And that's all he said. I'm like, this guy is like, that's what he does. Like that's what he does. Hey, for- look, look,
0: look at Washington. Washington just got twenty six million for letting Wentz go. But it's like, is there not is a
1: dad cap his it's not a hit, like what does that mean The Atlanta had a $34 million like cap hit for trade Matt Ryan It's like, what does that mean? Does that mean you couldn't use 34 million of your cap. So, so how do you have cap room now? Like, it's just, <laughs> like the whole, the whole thing is chaotic, but ultimately what we do know about the franchise tag and the, the price of quarterbacks, a lot of other positions tend to be a little bit more flexible. I know, mm-hmm. Like Devontae Adams got million $20 or $28 million, and then Tyreek got $30 million. And I'm pretty sure other wide receivers aren't out there like, oh, I want $31 million. You know, some of these guys are like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll take twenty four dollars million. I'll take 22 million. I know they want to get close, but those numbers are a little hard because you can't – you can replace the wide receiver essentially. Right, right, right. You, you want to say you can replace Daniel Dimes for Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, but can you and still be a viable team? Because without a good quarterback, I mean, these coaches lose their job. We saw it happen to Steve Wilkes when they drafted Josh Rosen and it didn't work out. They got rid of both of them. You know, you saw it with Nathaniel Hackett. They got Russ. Russ wasn't playing well. He lost the coach. And now Denver has to pay 17 or $20 million for Sean Payton. So, I personally, I wouldn't give him. I wouldn't give him 45 million unless mm-hmm. I'm willing to give a quarterback a million dollars a passing touchdown. If you can consistently throw me 32, 33, 35 touchdowns, and then your occasional bootleg quarterback sneak, whatever the case may be, gets you two or three more, you know, like the Jalen Hurts. Because Daniel Diamond, they have seven, I think he has seven rushing touchdowns, but even that, he only gave you twenty two total touchdowns. I still think based off this year and the, the quarterback play, I still think he was top ten. But if you want to if you want 30 or 40, 45 million, I need I need a touchdown pass per million
2: consistently.
0: So I, I think that if I were the Giants GM. I would play the little inch back and forth game. Like I'm like, all right, Danny. Like, what do you start? You're
1: the GM. Like, I think I started. Like if you're the GM, so Danny Don. I, I, I st- Rumor has it he's coming in at 45 million. What are you countering with
0: off the bat? <sighs> so it's tough because I'm gonna take a bad leap. I'm going back. Danny Don's gonna be mad at me and he might want to get out my office. But I think I think I'm willing to start at 38. 38. Yeah, right. so we'd be $7 million off.
1: So we looked at 38. We pulled up top QB salaries.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right now, top quarterback yep. salaries. Okay, boom. Hopefully we get a nice little easy list. That's what we're talking about. Okay, according to NFL.com. We got... 50 million. What date is this? That's for the 20. So, this is for the 2022 season. Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers got 50. Russell Wilson, 49. Colin Murray, 46. Deshaun Watson, 46. Mahomes, 45. Allen, 43. Carr, 40. Dakota, 40. Stafford, 40. Kirk Cousins 35,
0: so that puts him nice. Or yeah, that puts him 10. I'm fine with that. I'm fine th- with that. You think you top 10? I'm giving him top 10 money. There you go. So I, I would start out at 38. We would probably. I think that if I had a cutoff, if he wasn't willing to come below, say 42, like if he was like, hey. You know, 43 million and that's it. Or, you know, whatever. That's how the conversation goes. 43 million or I'm out of here. Then I say, you know what, sir, I will come back with you and I will help you pack your bags. Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, I think ultimately it's just he's he's in such a
0: win win situation. Well, well, for me, I think Daniel Jones is just he's to me and, and he's he's still an enigma to me. You know, he had this great year. And I would actually like to see him with the money to see how he plays with the pressure of having the money. I just wouldn't want to be the one to pay him the money. <laughs>
1: I The issue is that normally when you have a young quarterback that's not getting paid, and this is the issue that the Ravens have and the Giants have, you have a pass catcher that's already under nice-sized contract that's your young quarterback's favorite target. The Ravens don't have that why that they got outside the numbers that your young quarterback can just throw the ball up to. Right. Arizona had it with D Hop um, early on. Matt Ryan had it with Julio. You just you just they, even when Aaron Rodgers was like creeping up with the money, he still had Devonte Adams. So. Joe Burrow has T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. So they have these guys that get throw it to that aren't getting paid yet. Danny Dimes, if he gets $45 million, I don't know how many free agent wide receivers are on the market that you can get that are going to be an ultimate one-two combo to make that $40 million stretch. Mm-hmm. Because – you're throwing to Darius, good so, wide receiver. Galladay, they're cutting. We're gonna talk about him in a second. Saquon, I don't know if you can maybe you franchise him. Maybe he does play or he doesn't play, but he, even then he's a running back. You can put you can put three guys in the three extra guys in the box that can limit a running back. So, it's so much to do to
0: stop wide receiver a top flight wide receiver. So so real quick, so real quick. Unless you're gonna get Odell Beckham to come back to New York, because I know that was a conversation at one point last year. Um, so I'm just looking at this list that I pulled up. I'm not going to go through all the papers, but I got all the free agents right here. So, you know, just just first glance, just first glance, you know, I got Jacoby Myers I got uh, from the Patriots. I got Paris Campbell from the Colts. Robert Woods, who, who, you know, had a bad year in Tennessee, you know, coming off that injury, but he's probably not that type of receiver. You got uh, Juju and Micole, you know, who, who – you know, are better than the receivers he have right has right now, but I don't know if that's the answer either. So, you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, just, just off a first glance there. And they got your boy, you know, you said you couldn't say um, Anga I can't say your receiver's name, Zacchaeus or, you know.
1: Oh, Alameda Zacchaeus.
0: Yeah, there you go, him. You know yeah. what I mean? And you got Juice, you got Juice Landry. You got Juice Landry out there. Yes. Yeah, so, unless Michael Thomas unless Michael Thomas becomes available.
1: Unless you can either get T. Higgins from Cincinnati or you uh-huh. have a line on a definitive George Pickens kind of six foot five rookie wide receiver that can help Kenny pick it out like the way that they have that set up. If you don't have that, then I I do Do you just let Dons walk and then you go get Derek Carr and pay Derek Carr twenty-seven to thirty two million and you know he's a little bit more proven and then you can still get D Hop or somebody else? Because I don't I don't I don't know.
0: Maybe maybe in that scenario maybe in that scenario you can keep Saquon. Because I I can't pay I I wouldn't
2: pay Daniel Jones what we got. I wouldn't pay him I wouldn't pay him thirty million i I don't
1: like wow, I think, I think he's a top ten performer. The problem is he performed at a level that matched his contract if you give him a third of your you know, twenty percent, twenty-five percent of your salary cap. Then the yeah. ex- is he's gonna have to jump from what I perceive as argumented top ten. You gave him the twelve. He's got to go to five because every week it's gonna be you're giving this guy forty-five million dollars a year, and he went one touchdown, one pick, and two hundred and thirty yards passing. Like so, is it's in that New York media, it's gonna be scrutinized. I think mm-hmm. Dallas is still going to be good. Philly's still going to be good. The Giants are going to be solid. And then Washington is going to be whatever Washington ends up being. Well, I was so going to ask you. you're going into the season third with the third-best quarterback and you're paying him the most money, and then he's going to play like the third-best quarterback as well, because I think Prescott and Hurts are better than them. Mm-hmm. So it's just you're just in a tough spot.
0: Well, I was going to ask you, uh, playing the GM, if you're the GM, is Zeke a cowboy next year? No.
1: I, like, whatever whatever hit you take on the, the cap, you take it and you go and let him walk. Because you can't pay him. Yeah, he had like 12 touchdowns, but Pollard got you to the 6.
0: Pollard's coming off that injury, too.
1: Yes, and I don't want to diminish the, the running back role, but you know what you're gonna get with Zeke. So he played mm-hmm. a full year, he's healthy. It's not like he got like markedly better as the year went on. It wasn't like right. oh, back he's playing all these games, he's feeling his stride, he's getting his 16 to 20 touches a game, and he's he's giving you seven, eight yards or six six or so yards a touch. Pollard was giving you like four, five or six yards a rush, and mm-hmm. like seven, eight yards a touch with the screen pass.
0: passes. That in a soda game,
1: woo. Woo. Just 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 getting getting in this space one on one with a linebacker. I'm not sure if he throw Zeke to the routes. I'm not sure if you throw right. Zeke to the backfield to get getting routes. So So, so
2: one, then, one more then, question. One more question. Then,
0: one, more, one more question. before we before we get to Galladay and all that. Uh, if, so if you're Kansas City, what you doing with Juju? Is he worth coming back? If he if he can come back
1: if I can't get Odell Beckham Jr. I know everyone talked about him all year long, but I think he sat out a whole year, and if he's fully healthy, I think the routes that Andy Reid and I believe they promoted Matt Nagy to OC, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think that combination, I think they can get Odell Beckham open anywhere in the field, especially because they say he wasn't a great route runner, but he was always open.
0: Right if you if they can't get odell beckham if they can't get odell beckham i would like to see them get either and i'm not big fans of either one of these dudes i'm just thinking about speed um i would like i would like to see them get either darius slayton or uh lazard from green bay but anyway back on point you know what you got
1: yeah so i would uh i would say juju if he's willing to take two years 13 and a half million
2: so mm-hmm. i'm
1: like Um, You know, just something just to, hey, you got a ring. You can stay here, catch some more passes, get another ring. But Kansas City has like 12 picks in this draft. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think they have the second most picks because they got four or five for Tyreek. So you call Arizona and say, hey, we'll give you a second and a fourth for Hopkins. I know at first I said I wasn't really on board with it. But I'm thinking about it, it's like, if you can't. If you don't jump at that chance as Hopkins, like, yo, so I'm going from Kyler Murray, who's injured, new head coach, who looks like a science teacher, to an uh, offensive genius and Andy Reid with Kelsey getting double teamed. And then it's me one on one on the outside. And I got Mahomes giving me, throwing me the best back shoulder fades.
2: Right.
1: in the field. And I can just muscle people up. Oh, yeah. D Hop goes there. He catches 11 touchdowns next year. Because
2: mm-hmm.
1: he's going right. to be. He's gonna be a red zone target.
0: All right, so we both said that we were not wanting to pay Danny Dimes that type of money.
1: Can pay it.
0: All right, so who we who we got next?
1: All right, we got Leonard Fournette. Is he playing on an NFL team next year? Or who?
0: That is a good question, and um, I think that I always joke around LSU backs because they're always hurt. You know what I mean? Um, I think somebody gives. I think somebody kicks his tires brings him to training camp and see how it goes
1: i know he came into camp real, and I, I don't know rumor has he came into camp at like 260 last year Mm-hmm. um so let's see what his contract is looking like
0: well, well I, he, yeah so he just got cut today and you know so i don't know that's a tough one because like he would have to go to a team that i would imagine he would want to go to a contender you know where he is in his career.
1: Beggars can't be choosers. Anybody can be a contender if you get enough players. Like you can. Yeah, anybody could be a contender. Any, you could I'm go to the Chargers because they look like contenders, and they they end up third in the division. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, that could work. The Chargers would actually not be, not be a bad choice, but um, but you know, have... you could be a anybody could be a contender if they
2: get Josh Jacobs. Buffalo needs to be on the phone with <laughs>
1: anybody who runs the ball and then that player needs to show up to Buffalo with his 15 favorite running plays and add them to the Buffalo playbook because they do not exist. I guarantee right. you this Josh Jacobs favorite 15 runs he was getting in Oakland are not <laughs> the Buffalo playbook. So bring that, bring that section of the notepad. I don't know how much they make you give up, or, what if you can commit the memory and say, hey, man, I like these 15 plays and none of them. Yeah. Are Josh Allen running the ball. <clears throat> Give me the ball so, and plays throughout the game. So maybe Derek. Can- so so for- maybe, maybe, well,
0: well, maybe. Well, I was going to say for Fournette. For Fournette. I was just trying to think of a team while you were saying that. And so I came up with a team. I don't think it's a real thing, but I'm just thinking of teams that could need a running back. Uh, I was looking at Miami. Because uh, both Mostert and Jeff Wilson are free agents. So they might not re-sign both of them, you know. So- I
1: think they like the speed. I think Miami likes – I think Miami's identity is we are going to beat you with scheme and speed mm. and not necessarily power. I think, honestly, if you want to stay in, in division, go to Atlanta, Atlanta has Algier, who's a big power back, Cordero, Patterson, Fournette. I think he get. I think he would get a lot of touches in that run offense. They have a young quarterback. The playbook is very simple. It's very run heavy. I think Atlanta like led the league in rushing last year. What about? Per game.
0: What about Chicago? Because uh, Montgomery's a free agent.
1: Well, Chicago just doesn't really make uh, wise uh, football decisions, so I can't. Uh-huh. Looking, he has to go. He, he he has to go to a dome or a warm Saints. Game. Saints.
2: In- from Ingram's a
0: free
1: agent. He's from, He's, from He's from New Orleans. He's from Louisiana. I'm gonna just say it's Saints. I'm gonna say that's where he ends up.
0: <laughs> yeah, because because Mark Ingram, Ingram is Mark Ingram is a free agent.
1: Um, Mark Ingram is a free agent. He's from there. It's down. Camara
0: might go to jail.
1: Might go to jail, or at least be <laughs> on the commander, or the, the commander's the, the commissioner's exempt list. So you yeah. have eight, eight or nine dome games, uh-huh. home dome games. You play one dome in Atlanta, you play another game in Tampa, and you play another game, and so twelve of your seventeen games can be in warm weather. Right. So, okay. and you're older back. You're from New Orleans. I'm like, I would just say, just go ahead and call, call the Saints. Up. Okay. I'm like, I'll play for two, three million dollars.
0: So, what about that thing I sent you earlier saying that uh, Cincinnati should maybe think about cutting Joe Mixon?
1: I don't, I don't know where that came from unless someone has inside information that he wants like a big deal because of the back-to-back deep playoff runs. Um, mm-hmm. I think that talent, you don't just find it anywhere. I don't think you can just put any back in there and make it fit because if that was
0: the case, every back you had in your team well, would have similar numbers. So so I don't think they should because I like them, but looking at their free agent list, you know, they do uh, – Hayden Hurst is a free agent. Uh, Jesse Bates is a free agent. Von Bell is a free agent, and Trey Flowers is a free agent. So I could probably prioritize those guys, a lot of those guys that I just named over him. But I like I like Joe Mixon. I think they should keep Joe Mixon.
1: Hayden Hurts. I mean, I like Hayden Hurts. He was on the Falcons. I like him a lot. I think
2: yeah. he's
1: a talented back. I mean, talented tight end. But I'm not sure how many routes have the tight end as the second or third option and all the mm-hmm. systems that watch. I don't know how many passes he caught, but I just know that Mixon was a big part of the offense. And I don't know if you... Mm-hmm. You, I think you can replace the tight end for yeah, I mean, yeah. the running back. Even though people say you can just put any kind of running back in there, like, well, we've seen it. that's not the case. Right. I mean, they're everywhere. True. All right. Who else? Who else you got for me? So we got uh we got Galladay. Man who robbed the Giants, no mask, just with a note. He just signed a little note, took the money.
0: You know what? Maybe. No, not at all (laughs) We got receivers already, we're good Um, Mm. We're good Um, I was going to say maybe he could be the next part of the New England Rehabilitative program I don't
1: know, like I haven't, Randy Moss Randy Moss is the only receiver I've seen go To New England and have a career that Statistically, matter after getting New England. Antonio James, right, um, Ocho Cinco. I don't. I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a New New England highlight for Ocho Cinco.
0: No, he I was bad there. It, it didn't work. Antonio <laughs> Brown had one great game. And then he gets <laughs> So I don't. I don't.
1: I don't see. I don't see the appeal for wide receiver going to. Um. New England. Maybe Bill O'Brien can show him some film back when he was a coach and he was yelling with Tom Brady on the sideline. But I just don't see like their offense doesn't seem to fit that. It just doesn't seem. I rarely see them go three and four wide. There's a lot of two tight end sets. Pittsburgh? I don't think he. I don't. Unless Tomlin. Tomlin says and he quotes. He's like I. He's like I run towards coaching. He, he, i think he takes on those challenges i just don't know if you bring him in with a second year quarterback i think he has to go somewhere because he's got his money whatever whatever checks they wrote for him and with the giants i think he he would be one of those guys that would end up trying to get to kansas city trying to get to the chargers maybe he tries to so get far. You know, maybe, the Rams, maybe Tennessee, if they keep Tannehill, you know, something I like it. I can see he, he needs. He would need to go to a place for like a veteran head coach, established quarterback. You know, or hell, go back to Detroit if they got space
0: for him. But yeah, he, nah, he, they, he they got <laughs> receivers. They don't need him.
1: go to a team that has any kind of quarterback trouble. He needs to go to a team where that quarterback is putting the ball on the money and he so should, should he just
0: so should, should he try to slide his should he should he try to slide his way over to Aaron Rodgers <laughs> wherever Aaron Rodgers ends
1: up wherever Aaron goes if Aaron goes yeah. to like i said my my source uh said Raiders i yeah. think that's perfect I'm first and foremost i think Aaron in Green Bay makes the most sense cuz i just want to see somebody Finish their career in the same jersey. Like I'm just, I just it's
0: want not, to. Except it. for Dave Lillard, huh? Except for Dame Lillard, right? Well, but, Dame uh, Lillard really likes Utah. It's a different. <laughs> who? Who, who, <laughs> who you got next? Who you, who you got
1: next? Uh, air Aaron <laughs> Rodgers to the Jets? Why? Why does everyone think that makes sense? They just why want hundreds are playing like fantasy football or like real. Like that's oh, you just insert Aaron Rodgers, and they're a definite playoff team. I'm like, they still can,
0: they can they're be second or the They're just doing the Laker thing. They're just doing the Laker thing. They want they want New York to be good. That's it.
1: I think Zach Wilson was just – he had such – his throws were so bad that you felt – like that game where they lost to New England off the punt return, and the defense gave up, like, I don't know, like 99 yards of total offense. So it was some crazy low. Yeah. Back. And it's yeah. like then you 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 don't move the ball when we get it back, and then they punt it right up the gut. And the guy runs it back and you lose 10-3. And then that, that game where he got benched, it was a couple of throws, man. Like he he missed throws to the flat, like wide open, like that was the round. Mm-hmm. That was the read. The read was the little flat pass to like Barrios or somebody out of the backfield. You know, he's a punt returner, kick returner. Just get the ball in his hands. Ball's laying at his feet, uh, gouger <laughs> big out. Ball is like yeah. God, in front of him on the ground. It's like, how are you missing this bad?
0: if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm following your source. And I'm going to the Raiders because one, as an old man myself, you know what I mean? I want to be in the warm weather. You know what I mean? Um nine games in You time. got Devontae. You Devontae. Well, you got De- you got De- you got Devonte there, and Green Bay has shown you for years when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. They've shown you for years that they don't want to invest in wide receivers. They don't want to go get you nobody. You know they drafted these two dudes, Watson and Dubbs, who are good, but you know what I mean. Like they don't, they still don't have. Watson might be a star depending on what they do at quarterback going forward, but Aaron Rodgers hasn't had. Besides Devonte Adams, they haven't shown. That they're trying to get him that type of help. They got the running game, but they don't use the running backs anyway, you know, as much as they should. So
1: I hear him in the past tense a lot. Like, huh? Brian Brian Gutenkunz was at the combine. They asked him, and they talked about, you know, you know, Aaron's a big part of this. You know, we're still trying to figure out what's going on, and you know, we're in good communication, yada yada yada. But you know, we really like what Jordan's doing. He's asking everything. He's done everything that we've asked of him, stuff like that. He's saying like those kind of phrases, like those leading, like, hey, we're leading towards this guy, which makes the ultimate amount of sense. I get that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It just once again the GM move is like, why'd you give Aaron Rodgers this money last year? Why'd you give him? Well, i
0: sure, um, Fifty million dollars. We didn't. I'm, have sure it? To, I'm sure if you talked. I'm sure if you talked to somebody in Tallahassee about two years ago, they told you that the ACC was doing right by them. So yeah, I take that with a grain of salt. I mean, I,
1: between now and the next seven to eight, seven weeks with the franchise tags, contract negotiation, draft positioning, trades, I do not believe, I wouldn't believe a single word from any of these GMs unless they are speaking off the record to a reporter at a bar somewhere and say, listen, this is off the record. Don't say, don't tell anyone I told you this, but we're not trading Justin Fields or Aaron Rodgers is not coming back to Green Bay. No one's going to get on TV and say, oh, yeah, Aaron's out of here. Like when when Shannon Sharp called Julio a couple of years ago and he was like, what's going on, man? I heard you out, I heard what's going on with you in Atlanta. I like, go, oh, man, I'm out of there. Like <laughs> no one's going to, people aren't going to say that. You're going to get yeah. like, uh, You'll, you'll get something like, uh, like if any one of these guys have like a celebrity girlfriend or wife with a big Instagram following, there's gonna be something like, uh, so and so's wife was spotted in L.A. house shopping. You'll get stuff like that.
2: Yeah.
1: Justin Fields' family was spotted in Dallas, you know. Yeah. Signing jerseys at a football camp, like stuff like yeah. that. That Kind of stuff you're gonna get over the next seven weeks. So that's why so you got to take everything with a grain of salt. Like,
0: All right, who else we got?
1: And we got Derek Carr, and then I think every I think Derek Carr sadly is waiting to see where Aaron Rodgers decides where he's going to well, go. I think I think for
2: Derek Carr, I think he's the Jet. I think he I think he might be Saints.
0: That would probably be a good fit. That That's would probably win. be a very good fit. You same, know, um,
1: same number. You got you have twelve potentially warm games out of seventeen. Mm -hmm. like you I don't I don't know maybe the Chargers and the Rams but they have to play a couple of games in Seattle they got to play a couple of games in San Francisco or one game in San Francisco one game in Seattle could be cold
0: could be rainy
1: could be rainy you could have that Arizona's a dome so you're good there so it's only so I think playing the AFC play those games outside again City and but just being that being in the South playing those games indoors fast team if Kamara's there easy checkdown I've seen Kamara stand out there and just wave his hand get the pass and score a touchdown
0: like
1: <laughs> it just and like I said it's a winnable division you have no quarterback in Carolina one quarterback on I think they're going forward with Cal and in Tampa Bay Atlanta has Ritter. So he'd immediately be the best quarterback in the division upon arrival.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not, why would you go to the AFC East, play all those games outside in New York, play your game at Buffalo, play a game in New England, and then maybe you get one warm game down in uh, Miami. Yes. Yeah, you know, okay. And you could potentially still be third or fourth in that division. Okay, I Miami, like it. Miami's a good team. Good, solid foundation. They have speed on the outside. Quarterback that had good chemistry The coach. He didn't know what he was doing. I'm going to NFC South. If I'm a free agent quarterback and a team in NFC South wants me, I'm going there. Because whatever team gets a better quarterback can win that division.
0: Yeah, All you got to do is beat Kyle Trask, right? You got to beat
1: Kyle Trask and Arthur Smith, who runs the same plays every single week. The defense has like Swiss cheese.
0: All right, real quick and then we gotta go. Uh Josh Jacobs.
1: Josh Jacobs, I think this is his first contract. So he's gonna have uh-huh. he's gonna have to go to a team that not a contender. Somebody's willing to pay him fourteen million, fifteen million. So I think I think the franchise tag for Saquon was like twelve or thirteen million. So running backs aren't getting much more than that. So he would have to go to a team. Like, who's notorious for overpaying,
0: like, who, I mean, who would? Like, I don't know who would. Hey, Chicago has the most cap space. They should do it, first of all. You know, and I don't know if he wants to play in that weather, but, you know. He would have to go to, like, Chicago,
1: maybe a Houston. He would have to go to one of these teams, drafting in the top five to get the money he wants. hmm I, okay. I, think, I think it's worth it. You, you, you lead the league in rushing. you with a team that had so much controversy, so much changeover, over right. three head coaches in the last two years, made the playoffs still, then you come back, lead the league in rushing. I think he's a, a viable running back, and I think he should get paid. But in order for him to get paid, he's going to have to go on his team, like,
0: drafting in the top five or six. Right. All right. So did you have another one?
1: No, I think we covered them all. Uh, all right.
0: It's going to be interesting. I'm excited to hear It's definitely going to be interesting. March 15th. You know what I'm saying? I'm excited. So, Damian Lillard. 71 points. And I heard some people, I ain't going to say no names. you probably going to say some names, but I ain't going to say no names. I heard some people talking about how it was not impressive. And I just want to say, (laughs) and I just want to say, Joey Glastone, cut it out. What you got, Raph?
1: Rob Parker, cut it out. Like I said, for legal reasons, (laughs) I don't know if we can play his clip, but I can can quote him because he said it out loud. He he said it wasn't impressive because it's so easy to score in the NBA. And he had a guest host on today. I I whipped on the name. I think his name was Ted. Something I forgot what his name was. I'll, I'll look it up and give him credit later. But... He said it wasn't impressive because it's so easy to score in the NBA. Then he went into how awful the All Star game was. And like I said, if any any like anyone who can articulate a point, I'm, I I want to hear it. I want to listen to it because I find it very interesting. That these conversations that like these are conversations that get you. You can be on a nine hour flight from Seattle to Korea. And if you're sitting next to someone and having a good, genuine conversation for the first three or four hours, get you some sleep, that's a good flight. You know, somebody you really talk to, articulate their point. And I think Rob's point was he feels like the defense in today's NBA is lacking. And I get that. That's one point. But to try to tie in two guys being one of eight times in the NBA that they scored 71 points that doesn't mean that the defense was bad. That means that because people shoot, dave shot 38 shots. He went 22 for 38. Plenty of players shoot 19 for 31, 17 for 34. Like people shoot 30 plus shots a game. A lot of like your primary scores, Luca shoots a lot of shots. Um, who else was put Russell Westbrook used to put up a lot of shots. Kevin Durant never put up that many, but Hardy used to put up a lot of shots. Kyrie, a lot of these guys put up a lot of shots. Steph puts up a lot of shots. But they don't hit 22 of 38 of them in 13 threes. That's not bad defense. A couple of his threes was from the logo. Like, he was on the corner of the logo. So, with Donovan Mitchell, he scored a bunch of his points in the second half, just going back and forth, basically putting the team on his back. So, it wasn't like... People weren't defending him at a rim. He shot a lot of free throws. So that means defensively, people were there to follow him. It wasn't like the all-star game where they were just dribble driving, laying the ball up. So he was trying to put the two of those things together. So I did a little bit of research, not even much, just simple research because I'm like all these old heads always talking about how back in the day it was always tougher and yada, yada,
0: yada. But before you even do that, I just want to say, you know, I'm not getting into a GOAT conversation, but he's always talking about how Michael Jordan is the GOAT. And I saw so many games where Jordan would shoot like seven for thirty one, but then you know get like fifteen free throws, so he ends up with thirty points. So I mean, yeah. you know. And they
1: and they talk about how Jordan scored with sixty three points in that playoff, and Larry Bird said that was uh, Jesus disguised Jesus. as yeah. Jordan. And he praises that, but they, the Bulls lost that game, so it was like it was easy to score because it was Jordan. So I was like. Like the, the the problem is like you can't you can't articulate and like quantify and qualify that argument.
2: Right. So
1: the NBA has had sixty-two sixty point regular season games. Right. Mm-hmm. You had guys like James Harden, Luca, and to include the seventy-point game, Dame, you had Kobe, LeBron had one. Uh Will Chamin had thirty-two. He had thirty-two of the 62 60 point games in NBA history. Some of those games he lost. So so is it that—is it easier to score now, or is it the fact that the guys who are scorers and they get hot, you can't do anything about it? Like, if we looked at Clay Thompson's game where he 30, scored 37 points in the third quarter— They were feeding him that ball. Steph was giving him the ball because once he got hot, I mean, it was. I saw one play, if you check the highlights, he caught the ball at his knees and just came up, shot it, and it went in. And the
0: announcer was like, oh my God, even that went in. Like, when you just didn't didn't have like a 60 point game where he touched the ball for like barely over a minute, he had 11 dribbles
1: and he scored 60 points. So it's just sometimes (laughs) you just get hot. These guys are NBA players. If you watch the pregame, and you watch the interview and they have the, the announcers like Charles Buckley sitting courtside and you watch the shoot around and it's like eight or 11 basketballs being shot. I mean, six or seven of these things are just going in back to back. back. <laughs> these guys are great shooters. JaVale McGee, you can watch JaVale McGee shoot He'll hit 10, 11, 12 threes in a row in pregame because these guys are the top professionals. They're the top 400 people in the world at what they're doing. So if you get hot, you get hot. It's not a matter of like if. People were dropping 50 points every night, like I.E. Will Chamberlain averaged 50 points for a season. If someone's dropping 50 points on multiple teams every single night, okay, it's easy. But sometimes guys just get hot, and teammates just feed them. And if you're feeling it, everybody's had it. Everyone's been in the, at the court one day where it's like you were just running it. You had the you either had the team that was rebounding and kicking the ball out or you have, especially we played in Utah on lunch breaks, those guys are getting the passes, they're running the lanes, and you're just feeling it. You get the ball in your hand, you just let it fly. Some days just like that. I watched Dame a few weeks ago probably drop, like, 17 or 18 points. He just wasn't feeling it. But some of those shots he was putting up last night, it was like, there's no defense for it. Hand in his face, like, listen, I'm,
0: I'm hot. I'm putting this up. So, so I got a question for you. You ever see uh, Josh Hart score 70? No. Dante DiVincenzo? No. Kyle Lowry? No. What well, then it ain't easy.
1: It ain't easy at all. It's not. <laughs> it's not easy. And the, the argument, because him and Chris Bussard make this argument a lot when it, we had these goat conversations, it's, it's it's it just lacks context. I understand the point you're trying to make where you're saying that, hey, it was tougher to score in the 80s and 90s. The problem is they don't finish that statement. It was tougher to score in the paint in the 80s and 90s because your 6'8 to 6'11 guys before Tracy McGrady and T-Mac, I mean, Tracy McGrady and and Grant Hill and those other guys were 6'7, 6'8, 6'9 that were scoring 18 to 20 feet from the hoop. You got your Oakleys, your Masons, your— Sean Kemps, your Thomas. Davis, Kemp's, Bill Davis, all those guys were around the hoop. you Bill Landbears and you Rick Mahomes. So it's like they're both on each east side of the paint. So, yeah, it was harder to get a layup.
0: And you came down there and you got DDT'd or clotheslined. You got fouled.
1: I mean, it, the highlights, the highlights of the fouls is not they're not good defense. That's another right, thing. Right. They always argue, oh, it's tough. I'm like, those are fouls. And they got on Gilbert Arenas last week for a big, like, I mean, like so I going' I'm going all over the place, but it was tougher to score in the peak because it was your two big men down there because they didn't stretch the floor. They were down there to rebound. And then the two guys defending them, and then you your dribble driving to the hoop, your guy's there. So it's six of you at the rim every time because there was no space in the floor. The reason the scoring looks like it's easier now is because The NBA court is 94 by 50 feet. So if I can get your, if Anthony Davis can pull and bead away from the hoop and LeBron can dribble drive to the lane and only person there is Tobias Harris or Harden helping out off of, you know, D'Angelo Russell, then yeah, it's going to look easier. But the reason it's that easy is because if you kick the ball to Anthony Davis at 18 to 20 feet, he can... Dribble drive from there, or he can knock that jump shot down. You're not kicking the ball to Charles Oakley at 20 feet and have him shoot that jumper. It just wasn't part of the game plan. You're not shooting. You're not kicking that to Luke Longley and having him hit you, your 17, 18 footer. Even Tim Duncan wasn't shooting that from that far out. Yao Ming stretched it a little bit, but he was, you know, he was an anomaly. Dirk stretched it. So Dirk was one of those original waves of guys who were seven feet tall that could pull a seven foot or you know, seven foot defender away from the hoop. So as those guys started coming in, then yeah, and then you have a guy like Giannis who's seven foot, who can dribble drive to the hoop. So it's just the different types of players on the same size court. So it looks easier. It's not easier, just strategic. It's just more space because you can spread out where you couldn't spread out before. So, and Jordan couldn't shoot, a lot of these guys couldn't shoot threes. They didn't want to shoot threes because that that was considered an ineffective shot. Now it's like, oh, if you could pull up from the logo, pull up from the logo.
0: Yeah, I just I just want to add Rasheed Wallace to that, pull him Rashid, out too. but uh,
1: I also give Rasheed Wallace. But, yeah, he was one of those guys. And someone had to tell him, like, listen, stop banging Shaq. He, I, I watched an interview with him last week, actually. He was like, he's like, man, Shaq it hit you with everything he had when you were down low. And then somebody had to tell him, like, listen, man, yeah, that's cool. Let him do all that on that end, and then we'll play the best team defense we can. But on offensive end, take him out to 20 feet. Make him guard you twenty feet from the hoop. Right. And that's how Detroit so, won a championship with that, just space in the floor.
0: So you know what impressed me about what Damian did. So he hit the thirteen threes. You know he scored forty-one points in the first half. But I think the most impressive thing to me was he did it in thirty-nine minutes. You know, whereas Donovan Mitchell got his seventy. Not. I'm not comparing to take away from what Donovan Mitchell did, you know. Uh, but Donovan Mitchell also went to overtime, you know. Uh, so, so I think that was what, what impressed me more about Dame's. And to your point, you know, like yeah, like I'm sure that for me it was fun watching your Patrick Ewings and your David Robinsons who were centers who had a little bit of range or whatever the case may be, but they wasn't doing what Carl Anthony Towns is doing. And I did not just pick Carl Anthony Towns because he went to Kentucky, I promise. But um, you know, but 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 he was just the first name that popped into my mind because I, I freestyled that. But um but yeah, so so as I was looking back and me and you we briefly touched on this in a phone conversation one time, but I've always thought the toughest era as far as like the defense and all that, like straight up defense. I always thought it was like that the middle of that Kobe era when LeBron was starting to take over, you know, around that like that early, 07.
1: The number, yeah. the numbers bear that out too. I, I checked. The yeah, because the Celtics. At early two thousand, the transition from the nineties to these two thousands players, because that's when you started getting your new crop of players. So yeah, that's that's probably Yes. Yeah, like so so recently,
0: I know we I know we make fun of the Celtics for like, you know, acting like they won four championships when they only won one, but. They were playing some defense. That was defense. You know what I mean? Like, they, that team is probably equipped to play defense against some of these teams today. Not saying they would stop them, but they, they probably, because they had the Jane Posey and the Tony Allens, and Ray Allen was even playing some defense at one point. So they had the wings to, you know, ball I would have loved to see that
1: Boston. Here, six eight. you know, big, mm-hmm. just, and he, and, he, and he had the bravado. Like, you got to have a little bravado when you go out there and play defense. Like, Pat Beverly, Yeah, Pat I
0: would be 6'1", he was like, you got to have to to you, yeah. If I could go into a time machine, I would love to see that Celtics team defend Jordan, you know, and give him the blues that they were giving Kobe. And, and, and I mean, Kobe still put up some numbers, but he had to work. So I would love to see Jordan against them. So, like, when these people talk about the past – and, I, and I, I used to be guilty of it, you know. Like, that's the era that I grew up in. So it's easy to, I guess – choose your era over everybody else's era. But, you know, but when I think about it, you know what I mean? Like there was a lot of Bruce Bowen, you know, that I watched growing up. You know, there was some like Stacy Ogman who like was a pretty decent offensive player, but he was known for his defense. You know, there was some stuff like that going on. There was Michael Jordan being guarded by Jeff Hornacek. So, so where I think I made that transition out of old guyhood, was, you know, uh, when I watched Kobe because um, Kobe was one of my favorite players. But on a night to night basis, you know, he had to go up against T-Mac. You know, he had to go against uh, Ray Allen and and uh, Paul Pierce. You know what I mean? But those were dudes that were at his size with his athletic ability, X, Y, Z. Whereas when I go back to Michael Jordan, Joe Dumas was a good defender, but Jordan still had him about three inches and, you know, some pounds and all that. Jeff Hornacek, you know, Craig Elo, you know, Danny Ainge, don't make me go on and I'm not picking on them because they're white boys. But the point being, but the point being, they they weren't at his athletic ability, you know, and they weren't his height. They weren't his body build or whatever the case may be. So he was posting these dudes up going to work.
1: Above everybody already. So he was already head and shoulders above everybody as is. So m- people making it seem like the defense was way tougher. I don't I think, like I said, I think scoring at the rim was tougher simply because the bodies, like you had to mm-hmm. get through bodies. And maybe there were some files, <sighs> maybe they were like the hard files. And you we we see plenty of highlights of hard files. We see Kareem Abdul Jabbar punch people in the face. we see Larry Bird Bill right. and Right. But we see these collective highlights. But if you really look at like the 90s NBA basketball, the guys who were the like the unicorns of that era just would rise above that defense. Clyde Drexler, Pippen, because Pippen was a six eight, six nine, long wing defender. So he was the same height as Anthony Mason, but his athleticism was, you know, off the charts in comparison. So you couldn't put Anthony Mason on him on the wings because he couldn't stay in the right. front. But you can keep Anthony Mason on the block and have him bang with, you know, Bill Winnington or Luke Longley in those those series in the in, against Chicago because that was that was that's what he he provided you. But he gave he gave you nothing in the offensive end. So he's just there, like he's just a body. So it looked like it's more difficult to score because there's nowhere to move the ball. If Greg Anthony has the ball. And he kicks it to John Starts and they get it to Ewing. That's it. Anthony Mason and Charles Oakley are not involved in the scoring. So if they get the mm-hmm. ball, literally just to set a screen. Whereas now Anthony Edwards gets it to Carl Anthony Towns and Carl Anthony Towns moves it around to Tinsley and then or some guy off the bench that's six eleven, all he does is shoot. And then you got Rudy Gobert down there getting rebounds or getting lob passes. Like the way you move the ball is easier because instead of working with six percent of your guys on the floor, all all 100 percent of your guys on the floor can put your team in a position or At least that's what every team is looking for. Whereas back see in we 80s, right there. Back in the eighties and nineties, all I really wanted I needed two scores and I needed three defenders. If I had a third to score, like right. when I, when the Chicago got Tony Kukoc, it was like whoa, they got a third guy. It was like. It was unheard of to have a third guy that could score the way that he scored, whereas every other team had point guard, shooting guard, small forward, maybe, but he played closer to the rim. I mean, yeah, to the rim. Right. Or the power forward, i.e. Carl Malone, did all the scoring and Byron Russell just played defense.
0: Yeah, that came later, you know, like your Glenn Rice's, you know, that came a little bit later, your Steve Smith's, you know, but, uh, but yeah, we were right here. Yeah, like God's. Yeah, yeah, we were right here because I was gonna bring up John Starks. I was gonna bring up John Starks, like you know, this man came from the supermarket and you know was slapping Jordan around a little bit. You know what I mean? So, so like when I look at this era compared to that one, you know, I was I saw a post today in our sports group and it made me think because they were talking arguing about whether Derrick Rose should have been MVP or not, and you know I was thinking about like I don't know where I don't know how to word this, so I'm gonna just roll with it. But I'm like, Derrick Rose, to what we're seeing from Ja Morant right now. And I ain't talking about who's the better player. I'm not talking about who shoots better or any of that. I'm just talking about the athleticism and, like, the overall. like, Because, like, Ja is right now averaging five more points than Rose averaged in that MVP season. So, you know, the pace is a little bit faster. But, you know, it is what it is. But, but when I look at that, and then you turn around you look at Anthony Edwards, like like, he's – When I look at Dwayne Wade, you know, I always thought of him as a dude that sort of played similar to Jordan because Kobe shot a lot more threes than both of them. So I, I've always, i always thought of D. Wade as a good Jordan comparison, especially like with his blocks and all that kind of stuff like that. But when I look at D. Wade today, like if I were to put D. Wade in the league today, you know what I mean? Like how would he match up with Anthony Edwards? You know, I would love to see it. You know, because Anthony Edwards is...
1: ...Mar DeRozan with the, with the with the mid-range jumper or like a Devin Booker with the mid-range. And I think that works. But I think a guy... I think the the thing that drives a needle is a guy's ability... Like a guy who has the ability to take you off the dribble, get to the hoop and score, create his own shot off the dribble, his own three-point shot or or jumper off the dribble, or just has the ability just to take over the game, make your defense mold to what he's doing. There's a few players in the league that do that. Kyrie's one, Steph is one, Dame is one. Ja Morant, he has that ability, but I think you can just play him straight up and live and and die with the results. I think Dame is going to get other teams. He still has six assists with seven more points. Six rebounds, six assists, with 71 points. You know, he still was moving the ball. A lot of those plays, they just were giving the ball back to him. He'd move the ball, move it around, and then Houston would just kind of get get lulled to sleep, and he'd run back out, grab it, grab it, shoot the three. Steph puts guys in that same position where. He can handle the ball off the drive or just come up, give it to Draymond, and just run baseline to baseline and other people setting screens for him because I think that's the way he impacts the game. I'm not sure if John plays that way. I think he plays more with the ball in his hand, more like an athletic Luka kind of situation where like, you have to have the ball in his hand. That's where he makes the executive plays. But what Dame was doing with the ball Sunday night was like it looked effortless. And then he had the dunk. And he said why he had the dunk. He was like, oh, because I came through twice and the guy blocked my layups. So it was like, listen, I got to get, <laughs> get to the rim and turn this one over. So just that kind of mindset of, like, all right, I'm going to attack the rim, even though I can pull up from the logo, that's impressive. That's impressive to do, considering that he is the scoring threat on that team. Like, the other guy, Damn. Simmons, was injured. So it was like, there's no – who are you going to give them – and Nurkic was out. So it was like, who are you giving the ball up to if – Dane doesn't have it so you know he's a primary scorer he's a point guard the ball handler he's only six two he still dropped 71 points i'm glad the other guy on the show of rob parker set him straight he was like listen would you rather watch an NFL game where the score was seven to six or 35
0: to 27 don't start this we don't got enough time for that conversation know, we know, don't got enough time that. for that
1: that's what he was like would you rather watch a baseball game that was one zero he was like i get it sometimes a good one-zero game is what you need, but you don't want that every single night. You wouldn't want to watch 162 games of one-to-zero scores. He's like, everyone wants one to zero he was like, yeah. want an eight to six with a couple of three-one home runs. you, you want I don't that. want. I don't want when a lot of these did. NBA games every night,
0: you know. You, but but you, before before you we switch topics, points you got to be like, oh, this is impressive. But before we switch topics, I didn't forget. I want you to let everybody know where Dame Lillard is going to be playing next year.
1: Dengler is gonna be playing for the Utah Jazz next season. I don't have any inside information. I just know that Portland traded Josh Hart during the (laughs) warmups. Knicks haven't lost since he's gotten there. Um, They traded C.J. McCollum to New Orleans. I don't know what they got. I think they got Josh Hart in return for that. Traded him away. I just I think they're preying on his loyalty and. His agent going to be like, listen, man, you went back to Utah for the all-star game. You wore the Weaver State jersey. You're comfortable there. People love you there. They have plenty of cap space. They have plenty of picks. Like, we can make Portland make a move to get you there and make a run from there. Because, like I said, all, right. all- so- he can do it from there. Like, it's only 40-minute flights out of Salt Lake City. And They go all like 40 to 40. I think like the flight to Portland is probably 65 minutes.
0: All right. So I'm going I'm to tell you why I agree and disagree with you. Well, I don't think he's going to Utah. On ne- I don't think it would be next year. You know, I think we're probably two years out from that. But if it were to happen. But um, so where I agree with you is, you know, I saw a tweet from 2017 where he mentioned that Utah and the Lakers, would be the two non-Blazer teams that he would like to play for. Um, he obviously has the affinity for Weber State, you know what I mean? He went there, so, you know, there's always that card and the whole three-point contest, you know, shooting in his jersey and all that. So that, so, 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 I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. You know, but um, so I don't know how common this is in the NBA because I know NFL teams try not to do this but trading a dude within your division just don't sound like the right thing to do. He's got uh, two years left on his contract, though, uh, which pay him 48 and $45 million. So I imagine that by the time that is done, if he does end up leaving Portland, I would think, I would think that the conversation with Portland would be help me get to a contender, like I was loyal to you, help me get to a contender. So I could see like a Miami, I could see the media running with if the Lakers don't get Kyrie, I can see the media running with that and trying to put the Lakers back together again, like Humpty Dumpty. But, uh, but
1: we, we know they have zero leverage to get. Indiana. But the other thing is,
0: but the other thing is, Danny Ainge got all them picks over there, so you know, like you generally don't want to trade somebody within a division to a rival and all that kind of stuff like that. But Utah's got all the picks, so you know, Portland and and you know. So 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 I mean it's a possibility, I guess. I don't know about next year, but I'm not ruling it out. So October 23. Rath. So you know I like to do my little polls and I try to talk to people. You know, I like to sound like a politician where I was talking to the real people on the streets. So yeah. I was talking to some real people. It was more it was more so on the phone than it was on the streets. But I had talked to about four people. And I was like, yo, you seen this game end on the pitch? count and the dude, all four of them said what you going to minor league games i said no man spring training is going on and they said let the spring training start hey. what's up with baseball man
1: i'm right there with you i saw it i saw a clip it was on twitter like uh like i was scrolling through facebook and it was like game ends on new pitch count cam- or new pitch clock rule or something and I was like
0: yeah the violation pitch count pitch clock violation so I clicked on it and I saw it was
1: two professional teams I was like when did they start? I'm like is this from last year? I thought it was old. I thought it was from last spring training. I'm like it's this it was a few days ago so this was February 25th. I'm like I know it like I just went to Vegas. I know it's warm out there but I didn't think it was like baseball spring training warm. I thought it was like I thought that was more the month of March, and then they fired up the season
2: April 1st. But I baseball, they, they're trying to,
1: to please and appease someone. I'm not sure who complained about the length of the game because when Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were hitting 60-plus home runs, the game was just as long, but they were hitting home runs. When Brady Anderson had the sideburns, the, the Elvis chops, the games were just as long. When Fred McGriff was playing for the Braves, or Albert Bell was playing for the White, the Chicago White Sox, the games were just as long. When Bo Jackson was breaking, so what I'm saying is that if you had real star power, no one would care how long the games were. If you had it to where – like, I know they got rid of the shift. If guys could just hit the ball, like hit the ball, and if managers played small ball, get a guy to first, either try to bunt him over to second, maybe you steal second. But I know the analytics – analytics I'm not a big fan of. I like it for information purposes, mm-hmm. but I don't like it for decision-making purposes. And I think it's taken over – The decision making, because we had like I said, we had a conversation last uh, about the the Buffalo Ravens game, whether they should have kicked the field goal or ran the ball, whatever the case may be in the fourth quarter. And I was like, so I think the analytics is they're starting to lend themselves to decision making versus knowledge base. Like, hey, this is this is the type of pitch this pitcher likes to throw in a situation. That's information. But if I said to you, he likes to throw sliders in this situation per the analytics, don't swing the bat like that doesn't make any sense. Because if that slider hangs, but I've already told you, don't swing the bat. Now you got a perfectly 88 mile slider coming right down the middle that you could smoke. But because you listen to analytics and you you did what the analytics told you to do, then you're going to miss out. And I think that's what baseball has a problem. It's like you when I played baseball as a kid, it was a simple thing. If I walked. I'm looking to I'm looking to steal second. I'm looking to get in scoring position. Like that was that was the whole name of the game. My coach would say, "Don't swing at the first pitch. Make the pitcher throw you a strike." That was his thing. He's like, "Yo, just don't swing at the first pitch. Make him throw you a strike. Unless it's meat. Unless it's coming right down the middle. You know, you can crush it. Let it go." He's like, "He's mm-hmm. gonna get the pitcher to throw more pitches. If he gets one ball, two balls, maybe he gets frustrated. Gets a pass ball. The kid that's on first gets a second. It's a whole strategy." You know, when I was nine years old. So I get the first, and I'm just waiting because I know the first pitch, my, my teammate's not gonna swing. Waiting on it, gets past, boom, I'm going to second. And then the coach like, all right, put the butt down. We practice the bunt, button down the first baseline with a phone second, gets me to third. Maybe you beat it out the first. You can still do this in professional baseball, but they don't. They got guys up there to either try to hit singles, home runs, or they strike out. Like when there's a, oh, the shift is unfair to left-handed batters. Learn to go opposite way. Just move your feet. So when you come through the, the box with the bat, you're a little later and the ball goes to the to right to left field. But nope, they want to stand there and they just hit ground balls into this shift. It's like there's no one on this side of the field, you can't hit the ball that way. So I think their inability to just be exciting, just to be exciting is the problem. So they come up with all this other stuff that they What's the difference between three hours and three hours and twenty-two minutes of a baseball game? Cause it's only saving twenty-two minutes on average. They say saving twenty-two minutes. So so what am I getting? Like, what am I getting for implementation of this rule? Like, what is the advantage other than potential controversy when innings gonna end because the guy is his head is down because he's going through his routine and the clock hits mm-hmm. seven seconds like, "Oh, Head was down. He's not ready to go. He's out. Like, come on. That just sounds ridiculous. But Mm -hmm. that's just me. Yeah,
0: it's weird because um, I went to two major league games last year, you know, doing some two bit report and all that. And, you know, so the first game I went to was a night game. It was the Rockies and the Nationals. And it ended about three hours, 11 minutes, you know, the score was nine to seven. So it only went long because of the runs, you know, which is supposed to be exciting. You know, it wasn't a lot of home runs, but they scored. You know, the second game I went to was the Rockies and the Giants, which was a little bit more of a defensive struggle, if you will. Um, that was about three hours and five minutes. So, I mean, you know, the difference between 11 to 14 runs was five minutes, you know. So, like, each game is going to have its own personality in baseball. So, just for a little bit of clarity of uh, the original Point that you brought up. So, so the Boston Red Sox and the Atlanta Braves were playing. They finished in a 6 6 tie because the Braves shortstop Cal Conley failed to be in the box and ready to hit with eight, eight seconds left on the clock. So now, obviously, this is spring training. You know, it's going to end in a tie. It's not a big deal. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier when we were uh, talking earlier, you know, I could see this now. It's going to be, you know, maybe right after the All Star break, we're going to get into the pennant race and everything. And somebody's gonna have a batting violation that causes a game to go into extra innings, or you know, like maybe somebody gets called for a strike and like the game ends, they lose by one run or whatever the case may be, just because the clock ran out. And then it's going to be mass hysteria, the even though it's probably going to happen one to three times. Record. Yeah.
1: going for the home run record. People paid twenty seven hundred dollars for these tickets to see this home run record and his last at bat. He's trying to take in the moment to say, hey, I'm trying to get this home run and he doesn't get his head up in time and they call him out.
2: Yeah.
1: And the season ends, yeah. he doesn't break the record. Like, I mean, I know yep. that's extreme, but imagine just in the in the third inning, bases loaded in the third inning, you got a pitcher's up there tire and the and the batter doesn't pick his head up, where you get an opportunity mm. to maybe score a run and the inning ends. It's like that's the kind of thing. is like what are you're not giving the fans a better product. You're not. Right. You're yeah, worse. You're giving me more problems than mm-hmm. solutions by implementing something that I didn't complain about. If you go to a baseball right. game, it's great. Just serve food after the seventh inning. That's my only problem. They stop serving concessions at baseball games at the seventh inning. That's the problem. Give me my funnel cake. Give me the funnel cakes. Give me the dog, the, the the Rocky Dogs. Like, okay, you stop serving beer because a game can end. I get that. But I'm like, right, serve food. Like, they stopped serving everything in the seventh inning. So, if the game goes to 14 innings, I got nothing.
0: Like, I, yep. I can't get... So, the- so, so, that's the problem. Like, that's the issue. So, so for those of you not in the know, you know, um, they ran these clocks in the minor leagues last year. Um, as Raph mentioned, it cut down the games by about 22 minutes or so. Um, and according to my guy, he's my guy. I don't know how he became my guy. But my guy... <laughs> Tom Verducci over at Sports Illustrated uh, broke it down to um, the pitch clock being 15 seconds when the bases are empty and 20 with runners on base, you know, um, but to switch gears for a second because, you know, I'm always talking about. You know, I don't know Mike Trout and what's wrong with baseball and this and this. So, Rap, I want to ask you something that you talked about the other day. And I'm sorry that I throw you on the spot like this, but it just pops into my head. But uh, talk to me. You said you didn't like the baseball, uh, the playoff format. I don't
1: like the playoff format. I don't like the you get all the way to the end of the season and then there's a one game playoff. Start the season a little earlier. So you can have the World Series end before Halloween. I mean, you already got pre, you already got spring training starting early. And give me, if you're gonna give me that early first round, give me best of three. You can't give me a playoff format where it's one. Like I'm already, you're already, you're already playing multiple games in the, throughout the end of the September to stay in contention, to stay in position where you are. And then you get to the playoffs, and then you get one more sudden death game. Like, you could, have been, you could have been pitching your pitchers on short rest, you know, instead of five days, you got three days, so you can get into the playoffs, and now you got to run it with your third or fourth pitcher because you use your first three pitchers to make sure you got that wild card spot or to make sure you won your division. So it's like, so now you you essentially exhaust yourself in this sprint, and you get to the finish line. They're like, all right, man, 100 more meters. You're like, what now you got to ramp back up and then you only get one shot at it It just—it just it just such it just it's such a disservice to the teams like make it a best of three best of five and then the two bests then then best of seven like make well, see, it make it worthwhile for the fans it's like I don't know if you talk to a fan they might say oh I like the format of sudden death
0: no like give me three games give me best of three Give me more baseball. So so for me, I like it just from a drama standpoint. But when I thought about it after you brought it up, because I hadn't really thought about it before. But when, but when you brought it up, I was kind of like, it would really suck if I won. You know, we played this team 19 times and yeah. I won 13 of the 19 matchups and I still got to play you one time. Like, imagine imagine the NFL. You know, having a situation where the Vikings sweep the Packers, but they both finish nine and eight and they got to play a one game to see who's going to get the playoff berth. That, people would go nuts. We got tiebreakers for a reason. You yeah. know, so, so from that standpoint, you know, I don't like it. Um, how do you how do you feel about the uh, the extra wild card team that they added?
1: I think. With baseball, unlike other sports, their stars don't get killed for not making the playoffs. And I think baseball is trying—I think they're trying to expand into that realm where they- they're just more popular. And mm. I think the playoffs bring in the drama because we see it with the NBA. There's not a lot of drama during the season unless it's a team that you expected it to be better isn't doing well. So you could talk about that all the time, Golden State the lakers uh will the knicks be good um certain players winning championships so you can create real narratives throughout the entire regular season with basketball other than baseball because baseball the mvp is normally pretty simple it's, it's clean cut the guy with the most home runs and rbis and it's his batting average is you know or shohei atani who pitched and hit 40 home runs okay that guy's gonna be mvp and they don't have to make the playoffs so like the Baseball wasn't really, like, the playoffs wasn't really, like, the thing that you use to, like, grade these these pseudo grades for players. So, it just was the World Series. So, if you made it to the World Series, then people will remember if you won the World Series. No one really talks about Barry Bonds never won the World Series. The way we talk about, you know, certain quarterbacks
2: Bork-
1: not winning a championship. Dan Marino will make it to the Super Bowl once. So, baseball has that. <laughs> that you know kind of pass but i think the the wild card the playoffs i think it just it just work better if you gave if you gave it a real television entertainment shot coupled with the sudden death aspect that you like out of it because even in the best of three after one game you get your sudden death moment you get your one hiccup and then maybe you went back-to-back games but if you lose two in a row it's a wrap but give me a shot to get ramped up, play this game, <coughs> win it out. But you can't really – you can't do it with the, with the one game. So I think yeah. baseball they – they get the whole summer. They, I don't know if they don't – for instance, if I'm a baseball team, first thing I'm doing, I'm not – instead of making these format changes and these clock changes – I'm making like real logistical in the stadium changes. First of all, I'm not selling any tickets in those upper levels. I'm filling up the lower levels from the back row all the way up to the to the wall. I don't need anybody up there. I need every – if there's only 12,000 people in the stadium, I need all of y'all down here so you can get a chance to get a foul ball so it looks good. Because i watched the game. I was watching a Pirates game. It's like a Wednesday. Granted, you know, it's tough. Wednesday and, you know, May to sell out a stadium. People are working. Kids are in school. Summer camps in the summertime. But if you made the tickets reasonably priced to where your whole objective is to sell out that bottom section, not just for the playoff runs, because when Philly was going to the World Series, then the stadium was packed all the time bring everybody down get everybody in the stadium get it in the schools where you just you just give out 500 tickets to local schools so you can just bring kids to school, you know so you can get you can get fans because my son started playing hockey because I took them to my friend's old man hockey league on a Sunday night and they were like it's kind of interesting I'm like you guys want to play and I signed them up my son was two. a two-year-old and a nine-year-old. To sign them up because we were in the building. We like, this looks interesting. Let's check it out. So if you do more of that and you bring more fans in, that's gonna you're going to sell more concessions. You're going to sell hats, jerseys, hot dogs, beers, whatever you want to sell. You're going to make your money. And you're going to – we didn't know spring training started. We have a sports podcast where we look for ideas all the time. Hey, I knew – I had no idea if it had started. I know it starts around this time. I had no idea it was already starting to implement these new rules. And that could be on me for not looking out for the information. But I know exactly when the NBA All-Star game was. I know when the Pro Bowl, they're going to play flag football, I knew who was hosting. I know what Tom Brady is going to get next year, this contract to talk about football. I know what Tony Romo gets because they just funneled. The NFL funnels that information right. out. Baseball is right. a... I don't, know, I don't even want to call it a bad job. I just think they don't look to present that yeah. information as much as they should.
0: Yeah, even even my wife, who don't even watch wrestling with me, know that the Miz hosting WrestleMania. Like it just don't even make sense. You know what I mean? Like you know, I just, it just don't even make sense. We knew, but we you know, knew, at um, the Super Bowl halftime show months ago. Right, and and you know, like baseball, like you know, and it's so crazy because baseball is such a awesome sport such a beautiful sport it's the best time of the year weather wise you know Absolutely so like best
1: time of the year yeah they have the prime time of the year to have your team play can you imagine football played throughout the summer how many kids not going to school like football on the <laughs> in july can you imagine it'd be packed perfect weather almost every stadium in, in america has perfect weather in july it gets a little hot in August baseball, they they just, they had it, in I'm not sure What would you do?
0: Yeah,
2: but like two
1: suggestions. What would you do to, to improve the baseball
0: like I don't know viewership? I just I just want to know when baseball gonna get Mike Trout and Otani into the playoffs. That's what I want to know because I keep hearing from everybody and I believe it to be true. That Mike Trout is probably a top 10 player of all time, you know, Uh, so like i like to see him in the playoff, you know, like it don't it don't hurt me or anything because I'm that guy that says if you can't get to the playoff, then you just can't get to the playoff. But I would love to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. You know, we saw Bryce Harper get to the World Series this year, you know, and everything you know so i mean why not and speaking of the world series we will be making world series predictions soon you know and i've been looking at these odds i've been looking at these odds the astros are the favorites to repeat and i told you no one has repeated since 1999 so you know there's something to look forward to and then you got the dodgers yankees braves and mets bringing up the top five as far as the odds to win the world series but while we're here we're concluding another show this time we're going to switch Up a little bit, I'm gonna go get something off my chest, you know. So we're gonna start this off and Brath's gonna close this out and then you know we're gonna go from there and we'll see you Friday. But here we go. Here we go. So this is what I got on my mind. So the other day, I told you how joyful it was that March Madness is coming. It's in the air. March starts tomorrow, February. Get out of here. We are ready. So being the college basketball enthusiast that I am. I found myself watching some Atlantic Sun (laughs) conference tournament yesterday. (laughs) And uh, two of the schools that were playing were were Queens University down in Charlotte, who is making their, uh, this is their first year in the Atlantic Sun. And then the other game featured Bellarmine. I wanna say Bellarmine, but I put pronounce to Google and it told me Bellarmine down in Louisville, Kentucky. So Bellarmine got hot last year. Finished the season 20 and 13 and went through the Atlantic Sun tournament in their second year of being in the conference. Won the tournament. So jump for joy, Cinderella. We got a Cinderella going to March. Not so fast because Bellarmine, Bellarmine has to wait four years as they go through their transition. So sadly, they lost tonight to Liberty University and Queens lost to Kennesaw State. So the dream isn't going to continue to go forward. But if you win your conference
2: you should make the tournament and are the new kid on the block and you come through and whoop everybody's ass
0: you should get to represent your conference in march you know so that upsets me and of course college football being my favorite sport we ran into this situation last year with the James Madison Dukes Virginia stand up you know they came into the Sun Belt conference they didn't win the conference but You know, they finished, they were bowl eligible by victories, you know, and they didn't get to play a bowl because they have to wait another year. They're not even eligible until 2024 unless they submit a waiver. That is BS. Like, out of all these things that the NCAA regulate or try to regulate, this is the thing that they try to lay their hat down on. You know, let... Bellarmine in the tournament if they're eligible. Let like Queens in the tournament if they're eligible. Merrimack should have got in the tournament a couple of years ago. I forgot where they were located, but I'm just on one right now. And James Madison should have made a bowl game last year. So NCAA, get your head out your ass because you're being phased out anyway. Do the right thing and let these kids play for championships. That's what I wanted to get off my chest.
1: Yo, he's real passionate about his college basketball. You know, He mentions Kentucky every single time. But somehow, even though we're not talking. Yes, mention. Vanderbilt's going down tomorrow.
0: I don't care if Jerry Stackhouse is going to beat me up for saying that.
1: You heard it here first. We make predictions, some of them come true. Uh, <laughs> my, my get off my chest is, is a little, it's a little somber, but uh, I also wanted to bring light to this. When given an opportunity to reach out to somebody, take that opportunity. Um. I'm here in Jersey. And over the last few months, I believe we've had six or seven uh, people commit suicide here at the base. I'm of various ages I had a, an individual I used to be in the unit with. Um, retired, um, committed suicide this week. And I was talking to someone because I don't know if if people notice this when when the police officer is uh, killed in line of duty or pass away and you see a police officer and they have their badge and they have a black band across it. That's that's to show respect for a police officer that passed away. Well, my unit, sadly, my unit I retired from. We have maintenance badges that you wear over your over your name tape or the U.S. Air Force name tape. And it's just a maintenance badge. It's, a, it's an eagle holding a, like a wrench and a missile. Um, and then people have that profile picture on Facebook and it has the black band across it because. It's it happens so much that when it does happen, people change their Facebook pages. A lot of people sat it and they reach out and I reached out to a former supervisor of mine. To find out, like, you know, you know what he knew. And he told me that, you know, it was sad. We talked about it, but he said something. He was like, he's like, if you read through his Facebook posts, it they, they were like cries for help. You know, like if you read through his Facebook, it it was leading up to, um, you know, this tragic moment where he, uh, you know, he took his own life. Reach out to your people. Don't just use social media for drama. Like I literally I sat and I watched someone on my page, they're just going back and forth and just posting drama and just and just beefing with each other and tagging each other in the beef. It's like, listen, you can you can use that platform for something way better than that. Like we're using it to have these conversations about sports. Um, it's something I look forward to a couple of times a week on top of like everything else we have going on. So when I'm talking to people like, what's going on with you? I'm like, oh, I got this going on and this going on. I started a podcast with a good friend of mine. He's also retired. So my conversation is different. You know, people say, oh man, I got nothing going on. I'm just working, I'm just tired working for the man, blah, blah, blah. I don't have that conversation because I have this fellowship. I have this outlet. And Mike subsequently has the same thing. We share with people in our group. It's just a great conversation piece. We all have that going on in our lives. so. I, I Beg for you to reach out to people and see what's going on with them. Um, this individual passed away, had a lot of hobbies. He was connected to a lot of people. And if you go to his Facebook page now, it's a bunch of people tagging him in posts and saying prayers and rest in peace. And it's like, okay, you know, we got to do that before, you know. Don't bring me flowers when I'm dead in no suit while I'm sick. You know, come see me. Come come to me if if you think I'm having an issue. If I'm posting, I'm having an issue. Reach out to someone you haven't spoke to in a while. You know the people in your life who get stressed out easy. You know people have problems in their lives. You know who went through a divorce. You know who got demoted. You know who had to move. You know who just broke up. You're like you know who just lost a job. You know who these people are because you hear the information. Reach out to those people. It's a lot of it's a lot of leading edge like problems, relationship problems, money problems, legal problems you know, career issues. A lot of those things are triggers for, you know, suicide ideations and, and suicidal thoughts and suicidal tendencies. If you know someone's going through those things, reach out for them, reach out to them, talk to them. Um, you don't want to keep posting rest in peace on someone's page after they pass when you can say, hey man, what's up? Let's go do this while I still alive. So that's something, like I said, I'm thankful that I have the outlet that I have Um, It's, you know, it's galvanized a lot of my, like my family, we talk about, you know, hey, I'm up here recording and they they just know like, hey, I'm not up here just sitting in my room by myself. They know I'm up here being productive or I'm doing my homework or something like that because I'm in my, my school. Because I have one thing going on that's positive, I link it to another positive thing. So my conversation with someone else is positive. So now I'm sharing a positive conversation with them. They're giving me a positive conversation back. We're not meeting each other with negativity and then leaving each other being more negative. Even though we may disagree on something, having that time to fellowship and reach out to people, it's important. People feel alone, and that's when they commit suicide. It's some crazy, I think it's like 85 to 90% of people, if you reach out to them in the moment before they were going to attempt suicide, they don't go through with it. They just need somebody to say hey i'm here what's up so like you guys can reach out to me on instagram through my nonprofit, profit broken windows initiative you can reach out to us on sports reports as order you can slide in our dms you can uh twitter fear my raft um the email is sports as ordered at gmail.com i mean like if you or have somebody you know how to approach it i was a suicide prevention counselor while i was on active duty for many years so you can reach out to me i'll talk to you personally i'll send you my phone number you can talk to me on facebook messenger i think it's very important that people not feel alone in this world because when you do you feel hopeless and when you feel hopeless you do things that are you know you look for a permanent solution to a temporary problem so reach out, reach out to anyone you can reach out to. Um, I wish, as a matter of fact, I'm going to pull up the suicide prevention phone number so I can read it off. Instead of saying
2: look for it. All right, the suicide prevention crisis, you can dial 988 or 911. So you can dial
1: 988. Um, it's just it's important. It's important that you reach out to people. It's important that people don't feel alone. If you have that opportunity to reach out to someone, do it. Like I said, you also have 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-TALK or the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline 988. So That's what I wanted to talk about tonight. I know it ended on a somber note, but once again, while we're above ground, breathing this oxygen, enjoying life, we gotta recognize that, you know, everyone might not be enjoying it. So take an opportunity to reach out to someone. uh, Post it on your page. I'm gonna share it on my Twitter after this, and I'll share the clip and everything else, but take time to reach out to people who you think need help definitely reach out if you feel you need help.
0: For sure, thank you for that. And stay away from those people that cause stress. And I know this is like old school, cliche, dumb, whatever, but if you don't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. Because I remember when we were at Hill, I don't know if you were in attendance, but there was a young lieutenant who took his life and we had a commander's call with the wing commander Who went on to give a spiel about how selfish that individual was, you know, because he left us there to mourn, which was one of the most disgusting things that I had probably ever heard in my life. You know what I mean? Because obviously, if that's the type of culture that you're putting out there, that's probably it could it could have contributed to why he did what he did. So that's the other thing as well. So not only reach out, but try to find those positive people. And for the other people on the other side, trying to help these individuals. Just be positive in general. You know, that's being positive and smiling and laughing can just do so much. Like one laugh could save somebody's life, you know, depending on the time that it happens. So as long as we love each other and at least care, we can beat this. You know, that's simple.
1: Well said. Um, well Well said.
0: Yep. So on that note, you know, we're gonna leave you on that somber note. We will see you Friday. You know, all the Twitters and all that will be in your descriptions. See you then. Another show down. Love you, America. And we out.